Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. I'm at the nail salon. I'm at the grocery store. I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Wait, she's at the nail salon and the grocery store? I'm at the combination nail salon and grocery store. Groceries through Instacart delivered to my door. I don't have to choose between acrylics and the grocery store. everyone and welcome back to Black Hole Cinema Podcast episode 27. Unfortunately for you, I'm your host this evening, Emma Platt. And joining me today, I have Owen Hughes. Hello. And Chris Haig. Have I pronounced your name properly, Haig? Yep, that's it. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How have we all enjoyed our cinematic adventures this week? Yeah, yeah, really much. It. Feels weird to ask how you are when I just asked how you are before we started. Yeah. <laughs> but you've got to do it, otherwise it just comes across wrong. Well, otherwise we'll think rude. Yeah, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> this week we have for you The Age of Adeline, which is not a Nicholas Sparks adaptation, as we have just discussed. And checks. And, and <laughs> Verified, yeah. <laughs> we have Chris Rock's directorial debut, Top 5. Big Game, which is Sam Jackson, I believe. And yeah. then we are ending with Spooks, The Greater Good, which every time I say that, it reminds me of Huffers. I've seen oh, Huffers. Yes. Oh, with the cult at the end, and they're all like, The Greater Good, that's what's... Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I yeah. get it. Now I get it. I look like a moron now, and you two have just gone, Oh, yeah, we know what you're talking about, so I don't feel bad, but it's too late. We need to do one on Huffers. <laughs> so to start, we have The Age of Adeline. Ma'am, it says here you were born in 1908. That makes you 45 years old. That's right. Adeline Marie Bowman was born on January 1st, 1908. Many years later, she would begin a family of her own. On a cold winter night in 1935, Adeline's life would change forever. In that moment, something incredible happened. Its effect was almost magical. Yeah, okay, so Age of Adeline is a sci-fi romantic story about Adeline, who's played by Blake Lively, who, after a freak accident, um, stops aging, and she... Uh, goes through life, I think it's set in the 20s, and then it goes forward until it's in the present day. And, yeah, it's about how she lives her very extended life and what happens during the present day and 
the effects that the past has had on it. So I liked it. I really, I mean, I, I didn't want to, I'll be honest. When I started, I was like, oh, God, this is, you know, because I thought it's going to be like, a, you know, like a Nicholas Sparks thing. And I thought, I have to check if it actually is. It's not. So, okay. But, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Blake Lively's really good in it. It has a really great supporting cast, which is like Michael Hoosman from two of my favourite shows, you know, Game of Thrones and Orphan Black. You've got Harrison Ford in it. You've got Ellen Burstein in it. And they're just surprisingly good roles and it's a great it, it, it's a solid little romantic film and it's enjoyable i mean the other thing for me because i'm a bit of a sci-fi fan is i would have loved to have seen this story in a different genre if that makes sense so like take the idea of a woman who can't age and then put her in like a proper thriller or in like an action movie or something but yeah it's nice and inoffensive and it's quite quite, you know, elegantly done. Blake Lively gives quite a good performance in it. So, yeah, that's... It's nice. It, it is a really nice film. Is it, you know, kind of like The New Notebook or Benjamin Button or anything? No, not really, but it's it, it's nice enough. It's, it's a good date movie. Yeah, it probably made quite a bit of money off the, um, the Friday Night Date crowd, I assume. Yes, yeah, it is, it's a really good one, like, all the straight guys out there, take your girlfriend to see this movie because it is very sweet and it's very, you know, charming and lovely and all that sort of thing and there's a couple of nice twists in it and, yeah, it's... It, it, it's Nice is the only thing I can really say about it. It's like, oh, it's... It's, it's nice. It's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you, just, you run out of kind of adjectives, you're like, well, there's, it's very inoffensive. There's nothing really, you know bad to it it's not brilliant but i mean sometimes that's all you really want in a film it's just to be like do you know what i spent an hour and a half in there and i don't actively hate it i mean it's nice. <laughs> sometimes is you there, just want that is there any like humor in it because it looks really dry to me there's there's bits of pieces scattered through and there are obviously there's some quite weird bits in it like I did see um because one point is that she's basically raised the same sort of dog over the past say 78 years which I just thought is really weird just that <laughs> she's just got fixated on this one kind of dog so she's gone through about maybe 10 of them and she's never thought to go Do you know what I'm just going to try something different just no it's the same kind she's of got dog like a picture of them each each one on a wall every what single book See, you know, because one of the things is that you can't, she spots herself at some charity function where she runs into Michael um, Huseman's character, her love interest in the modern day, and it's her in, you know, 50, 60, 70 years ago. And you just think it's 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 all very convenient and it's nice and it's, yeah. It's, so it's not really, I, you won't go for the laughs. It's like going to the notebook. No, no, it's like going to, the, going to see the notebook and expecting bright snakes. You're not going to... No. That's an excellent way to describe it. <laughs> I thought I did it was like a period piece. You know, when I saw like the... Yeah. I didn't see the trailer till the other day, but on all the posters, I thought it was like a, a period piece set in the 1920s. And I did think it was going to be, like I said, a Nicholas Sparks, because this is his type of crap. Do you know what I mean? Like, if my boyfriend took me to see this on a Friday night in the cinema, we would have a massive row in the middle of the pictures <laughs> because... But it is the type of thing that always used to, when I worked in the cinema, it always made loads and loads of money. And yeah. with the the vow, I think I think it was the vow. The vow was out on Valentine's Day. 
um, I think it was 2009, and oh my god it was so packed all day with couples coming yeah. in to see it and i was like this is just and like you said that's just inoffensive it's just it's fluff isn't it yeah. probably one of those no. films that you'll watch and you might enjoy it but you're not really going to go back and watch it again or write essays and the symbolism of it or anything like that but it's nice yeah. to have these type of films out there you know just a bit of stick it on and read yeah. the book at the same time that kind of thing Exactly. I mean, particularly if you look at what was out this Valentine's Day, it was the uh, the Fifty Shades of Grey movie, which I'm just like... Oh, don't have it, flashbacks. I know. Well, I, I fortunately never saw it, and I was just like, because I haven't read the book, I haven't, I'd, but I know that it's awful. So I was just like, Age of Adelaide, because I mean, it, was, it was quite weird in that I was a, a guy on my own watching this. <laughs> and I, well, you know, I wasn't the, the part of a couple, or I wasn't the, you know as part of a group or anything, it was weird. I mean, fortunately, it was quite a quiet showing because if it had just been really packed I, and all couples had been together, it had just been me on my own going, oh, this is nice. This is, yeah. <laughs> just constantly just nodding to yourself. This, this is nice, isn't it? Yeah. I'd, look, I'd, look, I'd looked absolutely insane. I really would have. <laughs> um, yeah, it's that kind of Nicholas Marks thing. And I, I agree with you. I completely thought it was a period thing. I thought, oh, it's going to be like, you know, Chicago age and it will get up to like the... 50s or some of the 60s or um god knows but i didn't realize it was in the one well, bit until and it, it's fairly early on uh in the film and you realize oh wow so it's actually there is stuff going on so i mean i did like how it was in the modern day because it kind of anchors it a bit i mean i'm not a big historical romance fan but it, it that was nice in that you did get to see these generations of people grow up so um it was a nice twist on it um I kind of w- like it's one of those things that you don't really get so much of these days, do you? Is these sort of whether it's a romantic film or a drama or like a comedy or whatever it is, it's got a, an actual gimmick to it. And I hate to use the word yeah. gimmick, but you know what I mean—a sort of twist that's a selling point. Yeah, the selling point. Yeah, it's USP. Is that yeah. it's uh, <laughs> yeah, got a strange non-aging woman in it. Well, that's it, and it would have. Do you know? It was quite. It's quite an elegant sort of film. So you think, oh, this would have done really well in the 50s, if the kind of, the Hayes Code had been a bit more relaxed and that sort of thing, or it would have been a really good, interesting film. But, yeah, you don't really get this kind of film, which is either a blessing or a shame, depending on what side you fall on. But, Mm. I I mean, like I said, I quite like the idea of this non-aging woman, but then, I mean, not a sequel or anything, but it'd be nice to sort of see if you took that concept and put it in something else. If you kind of went, oh, okay, but what if we did this with this character? What if we, um, you know, if you have someone else directing it? It'd be it'd be really interesting, but, yeah, so Age of Adeline is just, it's, you know, it's like Emma said, it's fluff, but it's harmless and it's sweet and it's, you know, it's a cosy sort of, you know, lovey-dovey film, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. If you like that sort of thing, you will like Age of Adeline. Seems like maybe it should have been made in the 80s with Tom Hanks instead. <laughs> oh god now I'm thinking about yes <laughs> I'm just thinking what, wait is it Tom Hanks who doesn't age or is Tom Hanks like the <laughs> Tom Hanks falls in love with Michael Hoosman um, doesn't age well, yeah yeah. well to be fair many people have many people have fallen in love with him <laughs> yeah, as, um, as as Dario so yeah I, mm. I can't see that being a stretch really so yeah Michael Hoosman's also a mermaid there we go. I'll just throw that twist in there. We can figure out ways to improve this film. This could go on. The age, the age of 
Splash. Splash and <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Now we are pitching a film that could potentially be made. We need this... to copyright this shit right now before Michael Bates steals it. Anyway. I've been running for so long. Adeline! I don't know how to stop. Next up, we're talking about Top 5, starring Chris Rock. Time Magazine voted today's guest the funniest man in America. With blockbuster movies, Hammy the Bear 1, 2, and 3. It's heavy time! It's heavy time! You can see him getting married to reality star Erica Long. Where's my kiss? Do we have to do this on camera? Not on camera, it doesn't exist. Do you think the wedding is hurting me? Listen, Andre, the wedding is the best thing that you got going right now. If this thing flops, we could be talking Dancing with the Stars. Man. Dancing with the Stars? That's where you're at right now. Hold on, hold on. What is going on? Zoolander's in the conference room. Ben Stiller's in the con. These white people don't tell me shit. So, top five is Chris Rock's directorial debut. He also wrote the script. It's about Andre Allen, who is a former stand-up comedian and kind of washed up. He's a former alcoholic who is promoting his new film, Uprise, which is about the Haitian Revolution, and it's his attempt to be more, taken more serious. The only problem is is that his previous films were called Hammy the Bear, and it's about... I could totally see this being made as well. It's about <laughs> a bear who's a police officer, and it's, it, it takes place... You can honestly imagine that with, like, was it Rob Schneider? Yeah. <laughs> totally make those films. <laughs> Yeah. So it takes place over one day and he's being interview- interviewed by Rosario Dawson. Um, his new series film isn't getting great reviews. He's also having about to be married to a reality TV star and the wedding is completely out of control. And he, she goes with him all day and gets to, she wants to know the real him. He also talks about his sobriety um, and you learn, there's a really kind of disgusting scene where he's talking about the day he hit rock bottom um, and I don't want to get too graphic because it'll really tear my stomach but uh, it's it's just it starts off with him and, like with these two girls back in his hotel room and they're all having a three some of this big fat anky looking girls and his kind of minder who I believe is called Jazzy D and it's this big <laughs> fat guy with this you know the gold rings on and like a leopard print shirt kind of joins in and you can kind of see where it's going a little bit so it kind of, to me, it was it was really interesting because I felt like the story paralleled a lot of comedians in Hollywood. You know, like if you look at Adam Sandler's career and things like that, I kind of saw parallels with a lot of those type of people. What I found really funny, and I don't think I don't know if this is intentional or not. Every time you saw footage from this film Uprise, it was really comedic, and they kept talking about how someone said something like, "You kill fifty five fifty thousand white men were killed during this revolution." If that had been 50,000 black men, there would have been an uproar. And he was like, yeah, but Michael Bay kills 50,000 black men on screen every single day. No one cares about that. So <laughs> it wasn't, it was advertised as a comedy, but I don't think it really was. It was more like a drama. And it, I don't think it was semi-autobiographical from Chris Rock's point of view. But like I said, you can definitely kind of see those sort of influences in it. Um, Rosario Dawson, as always, is excellent in this film. I love Rosario Dawson. She's brilliant. She's, oh, good. She's got like this, like I said, she's she's a reporter and she's also a recovering alcoholic. So they kind of bond over that. There was one bit that I didn't, I don't want to say I felt uncomfortable with it, but there's a bit where she finds out her boyfriend is gay and she he's cheating on her with another man. 
and she explains to Chris Rock how she kind of should have had these suspicions. And one of these suspicions is something that he enjoyed to do in bed. And that I'm not going to go too much into it. And even though it was really obvious that her, the character of her boyfriend was gay, I felt like the insinuation that he enjoyed this thing in bed, that that made him gay, pure, that purely that made me a little bit, I don't know, just uneasy. It felt like it was too nice and tidy. Well, he enjoyed this in bed. And I could cause him doing this one thing once, so therefore he is obviously gay. Doesn't, never mind the fact that he was obviously obviously gay, but it just felt too... Well, if the thing he was doing in bed was sleeping with men, then she's got a point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty big indicator, really. <laughs> it was something he did in bed with her. But it, it did feel like just that bit felt a little bit stereotypical to me, but it wasn't the whole point of the story. And Chris Rock and Rosario Dawson's character, Chelsea can you see them develop this relationship and it's kind of left open-ended about what happens but i got the sense that there's a whole cinderella thing she leaves a shoe in his bag he's going through his bag after a bachelor night at his bachelor party and sees all these things that have been put in there by his girlfriend who's a massive reality tv star that don't represent him like there's a bottle of vodka and a candle with her face on and rosaria dawson's like her shoe in the bag so he like a cinderella she'll come back to him but what kind of not pissed me off but it was just like I understood that Chris Rock's character was better suited to Rosario Dawson than his girlfriend. But it's a bit insane to think that he would leave his girlfriend, who he, who helped him get sober, for this woman he had just met in 24 hours. But maybe that's just me, because I'm a heartless bastard when it comes to romance. <laughs> I did enjoy it. I thought it was quite well done. I thought it held my interest. It wasn't too long or anything. So it was. I thought it was a solid film. But I've kind of felt like, at points, it was trying to be smarter than it actually was but i'd be interested to see what he did next i have to ask um because i haven't seen top five and you know it's chris rock and he's got a great history of being a comedian but how are the kind of female characters treated because i had a quick look over this and you know rosario dawson who i love and she needs she she needs to be in so much better films than she actually gets like she was in that god-awful zookeeper a couple of years back with um kevin what's his name and i'm just like no that's awful <laughs> but you've got him you've got I think it's Gabrielle Union who plays Chris Play- Rock's yeah. the reality star, star girlfriend. So how do they kind of come across? Uh, well, Gabrielle Union's character, I think her name's Erica Long, I believe. She's typical. She's almost like a Kardashian clone. She's okay. got like the, the boobs and the tight clothing and, and, and all that kind of thing, all the jewellery. And she's when you see her, she's always been filmed by the cameras, but when she's kind of off screen, she's very much like, I've worked hard to get at the point where I am. She's got a lot of self-awareness. She says to him, I am not talented. I can't sing. I can't dance. I can't act. This is all I've got, you know, kind of famous for the sake of being famous. Yeah. And there's another point where Chris Rock's bodyguard says she's going to end up on top no matter what. So she's obviously quite determined and people know this about her, but she's very much aware of the public persona of her and her fiance, Andre Allener, and who she is in real life. Rosario Dawson I would say she's a, a typical Rosario Dawson character. She's very strong, independent female. She's very clever in it. She's very witty. She can hold her own against any other character conversationally. She's she's there's not much to say about her really, except that she's really good in the way that she's always really good. The role's quite well written for her. But I just I'd like I said I didn't like the romance aspects. I would have liked to have seen their relationship without that being into it because I'm I'm tired quite frankly of seeing a male and female parent in cinema that can't have a, a platonic relationship at all. It's all, it always seems to have to be 
this kind of romance on some level, and it's it's not representative of the majority of you know people, male and female exactly. happy friends. Why did it always have to mm-hmm. end up in romance? But that being said, I did think it was their romance was it was it was quite nicely handled. It wasn't too overt or not, and so yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and the whole top five thing is just who's your top five favorite rappers? Like that's it. That's just ah, okay. Because I didn't get it at first, and every time when I saw it, it reminded me of um, High Fidelity. Because he keeps making, have you seen High Fidelity? He keeps making the list top five breakups, top five bands, and it kind of reminded me of that. So I thought it might have a similar theme to High Fidelity, but it doesn't. It's just about rap. Okay, okay so if this is Chris Rock's kind of di- directorial sort of debut, how does he, how does it kind of work as a film, if you get what I mean? Does it, is it structured well? Is it? It's it's a solid film. It it looks nice. It's it's shot well. The editing's good. The music is really. I really enjoyed the music as well. Actually, like it starts with a. A Jay-Z and Kanye West song that I don't think I'm allowed to say the name of. Something in Paris. Oh, uh, Paris. Paris, yeah. yeah uh, that's, I, the, uh, BBC, that's the Radio 1 title. What did they announce it? Oh, it's Paris. I'm like, well. It starts with nah. Paris. And I love that song. <laughs> so I felt like I was in that club. Yeah. So cool. And I go oh. to clubs all the time. <laughs> don't remind me of it. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. We have a beer in my hand. And my mate Lucy going, it's our song. And then thinking, oh. like clearing the floor, the dance floor, and thinking we can rap, and we just look like a pair of two drunk bitches. But that's where oh, it's, me off. See, I love that song. It's one of the few songs me and my brother quote, but both quite like. So whenever it comes on, because I don't drive, so whenever he drops me off somewhere, it's on the radio. I will start doing it because I did try <laughs> to learn the rap. And if you've ever seen a really tragic white boy trying to rap, it's it's <laughs> it's a thing of beauty. I promise you. I've seen many tragic white boys try and rap because I'm from Liverpool and every tragic white boy tries to rap here. Oh, I wish it, this is the point I would try and do an impression, but, but I don't know the song you're on about. That's how like <laughs> age of touch I am. Oh, but it's the... Your house of family. Do you know if you do it, you'll totally leave that in. Like, if you know. start rapping, it'll still be like... Yeah. I, know. I feel like someone I... should start rapping. That's the vibe I'm getting at the minute. Someone's you know, got to do the rap now. In uni, I did learn, and this is not a cool thing, I learned how to do the whole of the Nicki Minaj song, uh, Super Bass. <laughs> Honestly, God, I used to pull it out when I was drunk, <laughs> and now I can't even listen to the song, because I will just start on the bus, just start mouthing along, and people think I'm insane. <laughs> but I'm there just going, this one is for the boys in the boom system. <laughs> and I'm just like, yeah, no, I... Yeah, I need to st- I need to stop that when I'm getting judged by kind of teenagers on the bus who are like, "What's that song?" I'm like, "It was like five years ago." <laughs> <I'm not laughs> oh god. Okay. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> I'm still waiting on my invitation. I'm not in charge of the guest list. I'm just a groom. Tell the truth. Stuff. Tell the truth. That bitch don't like you. No, she likes you. She asks about you. Oh, she asks about me. She asks about you all the time. What she say? She say, "How your big friend doing?" <laughs> Next up is the Samuel Jackson's new film, Big Game. Someone is targeting us with a sap. I'll find you and pick you up, Mr. President.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Who are you? The president. Of the United States. Motherfucker. I don't know. <laughs> it's Samuel L. Jackson. I'm just like, is a motherfucker. Um, yeah, so big game is... I love this film so much. And it's so trashy, and I love it for all the right reasons. Uh, Samuel L. Jackson is the president, which I'm amazed he's not played a president before, because it's just like one of those things you just think he has done at some point. So yeah, he's the president, and he basically gets betrayed by members of his uh, security intel and crash lands in, I think it's Finland? It's somewhere in like a Scandinavian forest and he's basically screwed and he's on his own. Um, and then he teams up with uh, a young kid who's been sent out into the wilderness to prove that he is a man. Uh, and this kid is kind of like Katniss Everdeen, so he just like fires arrows and he just, he kills stuff and he's just, it, it's basically like if you updated Indiana Jones with the president and uh, if you gave shot round a kind of bow and arrow and it is I can't even go into it too much because it's just such a beautiful train wreck but I love it so much <laughs> you know when you just love a, you love a bad film so unapologetically it's like I saw Jupiter Ascending this year and I get that it's not brilliant but I sat with it with the biggest smile on my face I'm like yes this film speaks to me, and Big Game is the same. It's, it's it's brilliant. It's Friday night popcorn rubbish. It's like Snakes on a Plane, which I also... Oh, I mm. love Snakes on a Plane. It's I, a classic. It's brilliant. There's a fine line between a film being shit and it being shit-tastic. Sharknado... Yes, exactly. Sharknado is shit. Leprechaun <laughs> Back to the Hood is shit-tastic. I've, ne- I've, I've never seen the Leprechaun film. Oh, my God. Just <laughs> I've seen the first. The first is fucking awful. Skip number one is trying too hard to be serious. You want to go right to Leprechaun in space and Leprechaun in the hood. Okay. Oh, my God. The effect, <laughs> I'm not even going to get started with the effect of Leprechaun <laughs> in space. It involves a space princess and smithereens <gasps> and the Leprechaun grows, but it's like someone's just dragged the image on a computer and made it. <laughs> and it's beautiful. It's Excellent. Wishmaster is shit-tastic. Puppet oh, Master is... Horror films are an excellent genre for shit-tastic movies. But yeah. Snakes on a Plane. I, I know. Love that. Yeah. And it's got Sam Jackson in as well. He's the king of shit-tastic films. He needs a crown. <laughs> well, speaking of, have you seen um, Rare Exports by the same director, Jal Mary Hellander? I've seen bits of it. Um, okay. That's quite a dark uh, comedy from what I remember. But yeah, I did quite... Like of what I remember of it, and that's because I, I was going through 
the credits and all that sort of thing. I'm like, oh, so and so is in it, and you recognise these little actors yeah. like Ray Stevenson from Rome's in Big Game, and it's um, a great little role for him. And I just was like, oh, he did Rare Exports, which I need, I need to watch it at some point. I need to sit down and just be like, okay, I'm going to sit down and watch it because it's always on film before. So yeah, it's, it is very um, good, but it's a shit-tastic film. There's more Santa penis in it than I was expecting. <laughs> that, was. It's that was it. Weird, naked, elven Santa things that are in it. But whether that's a bonus for you or a negative, I don't know. But for me, it was quite, it was quite fun. It was quite a fun film. But yeah, big game is. I mean, because I think Emma and I was discussing it earlier. We went, "Oh, big game," and then we went, oh, "Big game," because human is the game, hence the big. And it's just this really profound moment going, "Oh my god!" It's like going snakes on a plane because there are snakes on a plane. It's so beautiful in its simplicity, isn't it? Yeah. I like it when my movies, they say the title at some point. Mm. Got off. Yes. Yeah. I I know we should be talking about Snakes on a Plane, but I worked in the cinema the very first time I worked there when it was very first coming out and it all hype started on the internet and things like that. And seeing the trailer and being like, and thinking at this point that I was really highbrow because I'd just finished my college uh, course in films and stuff and going, it, it's got snakes on a plane. Like, what more could I possibly want? It's like when I saw the trailer for Pacific Rim and say, selling it to my brother by going, it's Power Rangers for adults. <laughs> I don't need much from my film, so I yeah. really need to check this out now because you've totally sold me on it. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is basically the president and short round versus bad guys. That is, that's it. That is all you need to know. And I just, I mean, first of all, Pacific Rim, I, I it is amazing and I love that film so much. <laughs> and I, I, I genuinely sold it as, if you've ever wanted to see a robot punch a lizard, <laughs> that's and who it. hasn't? Who I'm hasn't? Say, but I mean, we will get. I mean, because if someone asked me to talk about a specific room, I would just talk about it for twenty minutes and go about how much I'd love Marco in it. And I'm just like, she's the best. Um, <laughs> but no, um, big game. Yes, it is. Oh god, I, it's the film that is probably going to get the. Like, I would say worst reviewed, but I had a quick look on like Rotten Tomatoes, and it's getting really good reviews because I think people are just finally realizing. It doesn't have to be great cinema. Sometimes it's just fun. Big Game is one of those fun films where you're just like, nope, I've had a long week at work. I'm going to sit in and watch Samuel L. Jackson swear and team up with a kind of a Chinese acrobat guy who can just fire arrows. And I'm just like, yes. Sometimes you just need that. And I, I love it. I It's probably going to be my film of the week, if I'm honest. Sometimes a film just needs to be a film. It doesn't need... Exactly. I think there's, there's quite a lot of... You can get, like, when you enjoy films quite a lot, you can get really pretentious about them and about Stop them. It, yeah. You can, and mm. I'm, I'm, I'm guilty of doing it as much as anybody mm. else, but sometimes you just need to watch a giant fucking robot knock shit out of a giant monster. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, it's absolutely, it's kind of joyously simple in the, it's it it's just it's fun. What more do you need in a film? And it's you know I mean Samuel L. Jackson pretty much if you put him in any role he automatically makes the film better. Like I don't think I'd have enjoyed and this is potentially controversial here, I don't think I would have enjoyed stuff like um not just Snakes on the Plane, but like the Avengers movies if it hadn't been him in the role. Because as Nick Fury, he's such a kind of commanding force that I'm just like no, but they need him. Like, who who would they have? They might have had, like, Lawrence Fishburne, maybe, or... But the Nick Fury in uh, the Avengers the films is, 
based on the char- uh, character from the comic. He is, in the yeah, Ultimate in the was... universe. Doesn't actually, yeah. really in um, the very first of Ultimate Avengers, I swear the Nick Fury character in it mentions, or when they make a movie, they're going to be played by Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So, I, don't know, I haven't read that, but that's, that is glorious and wonderful. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm glad that that is the world we live in. <laughs> you know, in a parallel universe, it's being played by, you know, Lawrence Fishburne, who's a great actor, but no, he's not Nick Fury. He's not. Um, but yeah, I... In a parallel really universe, he's being played by um, Hoffman, isn't he? The Hoff. <laughs> oh my God! I totally forgot about that. Yeah, he I'm was like... in the 90s film. Hoffman? Yeah. David Hasselhoff? Hasselhoff, yeah, sorry. You call Hoffman. Oh, yeah, Justin Hoffman would Dustin be even Hoffman. better. But... <laughs> I, like, I like to think in a parallel universe, I'm playing Nick Fury. On a really nice side note, that's what Stephen Hawking said. This girl um, at a conference he was at said, how can physics help me get over Zane leaving one direction? And he said, well, not only is there a universe where Zane is still in one direction, there's a universe in which you're married to him. And I just thought, that is using your power for good, Stephen. <laughs> I like that. Helping the broken heart of the teenager girl, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't get one direction, but that's nice. That's a nice thing to do. Um, but yeah. You gotta cock it, mother. The final film up for review this week is Spooks the Greater Good. Terrorist leader Adam Kassim has escaped from MI5 custody. The most serious failure in the organization's history. Get in. Before Harry disappeared, he made three encrypted phone calls to you. Last time I spoke to him, he decommissioned me from MI5. You lost their number one most wanted. Find Kasim. Find Harry. It's going to be the Bond music then. It <laughs> was going to be actually Mission Impossible, and then I didn't realise what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> no, it's not Mission Impossible. Fuck. No, it's. Is it? That one, isn't it? That's easy. okay so um spooks the greater good is a film continuation of the bbc tv series that ran for uh, 10 series i think in total from 2002 to 2011 uh about the counter-terrorism unit of mi5 uh in this they're hunting a a particular terrorist it's directed by uh i'm gonna murder his name and i'm really sorry barat nuluri Naluri? I can't, I can't pronounce it. I'm really sorry. You know who I am uh, talking about. Just look on IMDb. Uh, he's mainly known for his TV work, uh, including directing episodes of the Spooks TV show. Uh, but he does have a career in film of sorts. He, he's directed a couple of films. He worked with Paul W.S. Anderson on Resident Evil and Alien vs. Predator. Uh, I'm uh, assuming, this is just complete uh, presumption, that it's through Anderson and after his work on Pompeii that I'm assuming that's how Nullery was able to bag Kit Harrington as the lead actor for The Greater Good. Uh, because Kit, you know, for those who might not recognise the name immediately, he's probably most well-known for playing Jon Snow in Game of Thrones. Um, and to tell the truth, I mean, between Game of Thrones, Pompeii and Spooks, I don't really think that highly of him as an actor. Uh, however, what he kind of lacks 
a little in nuance or subtlety, perhaps, which goes out the uh, goes out the window uh, when he needed to like hit some of the softer emotional beats in this film, leaving him looking like a stroppy teenager whose like parents have taken away his <laughs> Xbox controller. He kind of makes up for it with plenty of on-screen presence and really like nails some of the more intense scenes, uh, which is you know. It is fair enough, I think. That's what he's in the film to do, and and he does it very well. I've never seen more than maybe one or two episodes of the Spooks uh, TV show. And from what I understand, Kit Harrington didn't appear in the the BBC show. Uh, He's actually playing a completely new character who's uh, coerced by uh, by MI5 to track down their former head, Harry Pierce, who's played by Peter Firth, who was in the show. And his character is responsible for letting a deadly American terrorist escape. So it's kind of gritty in the way that some of these British thrillers are, particularly with some of the more violent scenes I felt. I felt it was, it was a lot more uh, grim than I was expecting it to be. And there's, you know, people getting shot in the head and stuff, and it kind of shows it, which is more than I was expecting. So, you know, fair play for that. There's plenty of good action-y, thrillery moments in there. Uh, that were genuinely entertaining to watch, which are only occasionally let down by some dodgy camera work. So, uh, for example, there's a scene in an apartment, which is about 25 minutes into the movie. I'm not going to give specifics in case people are planning on seeing it and you might spoil it. But it it kind of epitomises the whole quality of the film within about five minutes. So it's full of absolutely ridiculous and most of the time obvious twists. Which isn't so much like a problem in and of itself, because if it's executed well, regardless of like predictability, then I don't tend to mind uh, so much. You know, myself, I don't, I don't really mind if it's a bit predictable, but it's done really well. And I think in here, it kind of is handled quite well. It's very self-aware of what type of movie it is. Um, but a lot of the character twists are just so ludicrous. Um, so this particular scene in the apartment has a, it's got about two character twists in about two minutes. There's a close combat fight scene in a hallway, which is really like hard to make out what's going on exactly. But it does have, like, even this short scene has one or two moments in it that are pretty good. You know, someone getting smashed into a wall looks pretty good. Um, but it's, it, is, it does suffer a little bit from the Michael Bayisms um, of not being able to see what's happening and stuff. Uh, and it's blindingly obvious a setup for something that's going to occur later in the film. Uh, but what I did like about it is it does add a bit of humour. So there's like Kiss Harrington's character walks into this apartment and he spots a white cat that looks like Blofeld's cat from You Only Live Twice and says something like, well, I guess we know who the bad guy is, which is kind of fun. You know, it, it made me chuckle. Um, and I think, it, like I say, it kind of epitomises the whole film. It's pretty well written as well for, for what it is for this sort of British spy thriller that's just a film of a TV series. Um, what I found really let the film down massively were the performances, not so much Kit Harrington, because as I say, I think he, I've, I've covered it pretty much what his role in the film is, and I think he does pretty well. And, and Peter Firth, actually, um, I, who, I thought he was pretty good as well. And I can see why he was so popular from the TV show, because his character is quite complex and it, it's quite good. But Jennifer L., who's uh, an American actress doing an absolutely appalling British accent, she was. <laughs> Just so bad, really bad. I've never really had a problem with it before. I've never sort of singled her out as being as being poor in a film. But man, she just drained the life from the film whenever she appeared on screen. And Tim McKinnery, uh, McKinney, sorry, um, 
as well. He just chewed his way through the scenery until there was just nothing left. And again, I like him. I liked him. He's, I mean, who the hell doesn't like Percy from Blackadder? Let's be honest. <laughs> but in this, I just, I just couldn't get on with him. And I think the support cast are what, what let the film down slightly. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if I can recommend it to fans of the TV show because as I mentioned, uh, I've never really watched it. I watched it, the first episode again earlier today after coming home from the cinema. And it's all right. I'm going to watch the rest and see how it, how it goes. The film's made me curious about it, but like I can't really recommend it to fans of the show because I don't know what how it compares. Um, but as a standalone British espionage movie, I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty good. It's you know hardly the latest Statham adrenaline-filled actioner, but you know it's enjoyable enough that I would recommend it to people, regardless of whether they've seen the show or not. So yeah, so I, I, I kind of liked it. I thought it was all right. Chris, are you you in the same vein as Owen? Is that what you thought about it? Um, slightly. I mean, I, I come from from a slightly different place because I grew up with the show, okay. so I have seen I have seen most of the show because my uh, family were big fans of it. So it's like um, they've been watching it on Netflix recently because it's on there now, and it's it, it's good. I mean, the problem I kind of have with the film is that I think in my head I. Because when I heard they were doing it, I was excited, thinking, oh, it's going to be really good. It's going <laughs> to do all this. It's good because they've got a proper film budget and everything. And it just feels a bit like, not like Space. a TV movie, but like they haven't really pushed it out enough. It feels like a re- like they've taken half of the series budget and stuck it on a two-hour episode. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think it's not far off with that because... Um... It doesn't feel like, a, you know, a Hollywood film. It's not a big action thriller. It's, why no. I say it's not even like a, a Statham film. It's not like, um, you know, a, a British action film that's that's shot in L.A., you know. It's actually... No. I kind of like the fact that it's a bit more low-key, though. You know, some of it takes place on, like, a council yeah. estate, and some of it is just in the streets of London. And But it does have a bit of glow pop into it. They do go around the, the globe a little bit in this film. Yeah, and that's kind of what I did enjoy. But I mean, I, again, I think it's because I built it up in my head. But when Spook started, it was sort of two thousand, like I said, two thousand one, two thousand two, and it was really before the the kind of modern spy thrillers really kicked off because all mm. we had really sort of like Bond and then some of the American shows. But since then, since when the shows started, we've had. I mean, this is the biggest one I can compare it to is like the Bond series because this felt very much like them trying to. Yes. Instill a bit of that Bondness into it. I mean, particularly with Kit Harrington's Will, who seems to just you know I, mean, I I like Kit Harrington, I really do. I think he's a you know, lovely guy, all that sort of thing. But in this he's kind of I was expecting just just a bit more. That was all. I mean, it was uh, for fans of the show it's really nice to see old faces come up like obviously Peter Firth kind of anchoring the film as he did mm. the show. He was in every series, you know, pretty much every episode and it was great and he really does kind of keep the film um grounded and there's some little appearances like uh, uh, you've got like Lara Pulver. I mean, I didn't have a, much of a problem with the supporting cast. I just wish they'd used been, been used a bit better. Like you had um, uh, Tuppence Middleton, who I quite like. <laughs> Wait, uh, what? Tuppence. <laughs> Tupp- uh, yeah, obviously God, that is her name. Yeah, she was yeah. in uh, Black Mirror. Tuppence. Tuppence. Yes. Right. As in the Mary Poppins song. That yeah okay. That wasn't what <laughs> came to mind immediately for me, but carry on. Yeah. <laughs> God. Oh, you guys. Blurring <laughs> the tone. Innocence. When I hear that, I was just like, feed the birds. <laughs> 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 
Oh god, clearly I'm really naive. Um, but no, it's it, as you know, like you said, as a thriller on its own, it's serviceable. It's you know enjoyable. Fans of the f- fans of the show should like it. But it was like I watched an interview with Peter Firth and Kit Harrington, and they were very much sort of like, oh well, if you know, there's the public interest there, we'll make more that sort of thing. I don't know if there's enough mileage for anymore. It was it was a nice way to kind of send off a show. And, it, you know, it's it's OK. I mean, I do, you know, it is grittier than it is in the show, which was already pretty gritty. I mean, this is a show that killed off one of its leads in the second episode. So I'm not going to spoil all for you, but in one of the most gruesome TV deaths uh, there has ever been. And it caused such controversy at the time. I'm like, Jesus, I mean, it doesn't get that bad in um, The Greater Good, but it's, it is still pretty, pretty yeah, dark, I mean, pretty grim. It's... It, well, like I said, I haven't seen the TV show, so it was a bit grittier than I was expecting it to be. Um, yeah. How it compares to the TV show, I'm just going to have to leave to, to to you. But yeah, I mean, it was. It, I wouldn't say it was. Um, you know, we're not talking the raid here. You know. No. There's, no. No. There's no, no like close gunshots to the face on screen or anything. There's no baseball bats being smacked into people's skulls. It's just. It was. You kind of expect with these a lot of cutaway shots. And yeah. Although there are cutaways, you know, you don't exactly see bullets piercing someone's skull or whatever it might be. It's it's still there's more there than I, than I thought there might be. Um, so yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a fifteen, isn't it? I mean, it, there are people getting shot and stuff, so it's you do expect to see something, which um, you wouldn't get in like a twelve A. You wouldn't get in like a fucking Taken sequel, but you get in this, which is good. <laughs> yeah, no, that is okay, and you know. I mean, I, th- I think I'm going from with it just because I went into it thinking, you know what, I love the show, but I like the show, and I grew up with it, and it was a big part that got me involved in, you know, enjoying spy stuff, and I thought, Do you know what, I'm going to enjoy it, that sort of thing. And I was a little bit let down, but that's because I was sort of, based on the show, I was expecting kind of a leap upwards. Mm. And it's not, it's, it's okay. It's perfectly serviceable. I'd probably watch it again. I, I would probably recommend it to... Um, my family to watch. I'd be like, yeah, yeah, you'll like it, that sort of thing. But is it brilliant? No, it's not. It's it's not going to change the way that we view stuff. And I think I'm a bit annoyed because I was, if I were to pick a spy show that should get its own movie, I would have gone like Alias or something. I would have just done something that's completely out there and bonkers. But yeah, so I I I, I like it. I'm not going to say it's brilliant, but it was okay. seems to be all (laughs) (laughs) don't laugh i'm trying to be serious now sorry serious yeah you've fucked it up for me now you do know that don't you i'm gonna laugh (laughs) well that's all for this week from myself thank you to erwin yeah thank you very much for having me that's fine (laughs) that's fine it's good fine it's totally fine (laughs) thank you to chris thank you very much for having me on it's been a pleasure (laughs) <laughs> and as always, thank you for listening. And remember, stay classy, San Diego. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> <laughs> Best exit ever. <laughs> Motherfucker! I don't know. <laughs>
motherfucker. I don't know. 